Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 11th of October 2015, entitled, There is Only One. And the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 13. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read from Isaiah chapter 55, beginning in verse 1. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that you not these shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down in the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the water, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereof I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Father, we thank you this morning that as we have your word before us, we also know that we have your spirit within us. Now, Lord, we seek understanding. We seek genuinely, Lord, for you to speak to each and every one of our hearts. We give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We find that as we look through this chapter, there are many, many things. There's such wonderful, beautiful truths that we could dwell on this morning begins with an invitation. An invitation not just for the satisfaction that 
money can buy in this life, but satisfaction from that which money cannot buy. Satisfaction not that comes from the world and what it can give you, but satisfaction that can come from God and God alone, an invitation to salvation, an invitation to a satisfaction that is beyond anything this world can give, an invitation not to just life here, but life for all of eternities. We find that God tells us to forsake those wicked ways and return to the Lord. And of course here he is speaking specifically to the nation of Israel. And time and time again with all that God would do for them, they would forsake him and turn their backs. But God is encouraging them as he would us today return to him. He tells us that his thoughts and his ways, they're far above ours. They're far above anything that we can imagine. He gives us this illustration of the rain and the snow falling from the heavens. It falls down to water the earth. It doesn't return back up. It falls down to water that which is below and of course, he says the same with his word. It doesn't come out for no reason. It doesn't return to him void. It will accomplish that which he has sent it for. And of course, the thing that he has sent it for above all else is for your salvation. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's only through his word that we can know him. It's only through his word that we can begin to understand him. It's only through his word that we can begin to understand ourselves, our needs. We find that the average man that we meet on the street out there, folks, it is no exaggeration to say that more people than not, the majority of the people that you meet are ignorant of God's salvation. They don't know. They've never heard the true, genuine gospel so many times when we think of God, and yes, God has standards and God has truths, and God sticks to every one of them. Much of the world will think that we're narrow-minded because of that, that we simply aren't educated well enough. It's funny, you know, man has all of his standards. He will say this has to be done in certain certain time, and this has to be done in a certain, certain way. He has many times, certainly has standards when it comes to sports. If you're out there on the field and you're playing that game, you got rules that you have to follow. And if you don't, then you violated the rules and you're out. We find that many things that we go to do. When I served my country in the military, there were many standards, many rules that we had to abide by. You know, we had to, for one thing, we had to keep this weight in line. <laughs> if you got above a certain amount of weight, then they put you on the fat boy program. <laughs> and it had to come off if you were going to stay. You know, you had to be able to physically get out there and do certain things all the time. And you had to keep proving to them year after year that you were still capable of doing that. We have standards around us all the day. We go to work and they expect certain things of us. We go to school and they expect certain things of us. And yet the world, because that God has standards, they say that we are 
narrow-minded, <laughs> that that's not the God that they want, that it's too narrow, that there's got to be more ways than just our way to go about this. Well, I want to think on this simple thought this morning, which I hope, I hope that if you're here and you're lost, that it'll challenge you more than you've ever been challenged in your life. And if you're a Christian, I hope that it will encourage you and build you up. Sometimes in all of this world, we can get lost in all that's going on around us and all of the trouble and all of the, the things that are happening. I'd like to read you an excerpt from a book called God is No Fool. It says, I knelt and said, but I am one. Only one. And the world is so large and the evil is so strong. There are so few who care. There are so few who sense. But I am one. Only one. The machines of organization roll on, crushing the individual into a part of the mass. The hopelessness of the world-wrought minds spreads and smothers the hope of the lonely individuals. But I am one. Only one. Entire cities have been destroyed. Entire nations have reaped their seeds of distrust and lie writhing within their death throes. But I am one. Only one. While I eat my fill, hundreds die in hunger. While I close my door in careless safety, hundreds watch doors in fear and resignation but I am one, only one. The powers of mind and thought and measurement reduce the world to calculated possibilities. But I am one, only one. And even that one walks in fear and stumbling, discontent and lack of strength. And I am one. Only one. And he said, stand up. I choose you. And I stood up, and the earth trembled. And that is the beginning to which there is no end except in God. You see, there is a lot going on around us. And sometimes you can seem so insignificant but I'm saying to you this morning, first of all, I want to remind you, and we're going to move on to other things, but I want to remind you that you are only one. But you are only one. You are one that God has chosen. God chose you. You see, we look at things in this world. What makes things valuable? What makes some things worth so much money? You see, oftentimes when things are produced, they produce them in limited quantity because it is the uniqueness that gives it value. It's like the artist that had ordered many canvases to come to be painted upon. He was a well-known artist, and those canvases were lost. And so he was asked, well, were they very valuable? And his answer was, no, not yet. Not yet. 
because they were just plain canvases like thousands and hundreds of thousands of others, but it wasn't until that paintbrush was applied on there and it became something unique, different from all the others, that it could become valuable, immensely valuable. We find that many collectors today, they don't collect things that <laughs> there's hundreds and thousands of them out there. They collect things that are valuable because they're unique. And I want you to grasp and realize today you are valuable to God. He chose you. Yes, there are millions and billions of bodies. But just like that painter when he takes and he makes that canvas valuable because he paints one of a kind. You know that you can buy copies of Rembrandt's and all of these, you know, Picasso's and paintings that would cost you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Dollars and pounds in this world, <laughs> you can buy prints of them for a fraction because they're not the original. They may even look the same, but they're not the one. There's only one original of every one of them. And that one is valuable. You see, God designed you. God was the one with the paintbrush. God painted that canvas that's sitting there today. You are unique. There is no other one like you in all the world to God. He chose you. He designed you. He made you who you are. There's only one of you in all this world. There's only one. And God was the creator. And to him, you are so valuable that he was willing to pay the ultimate price there's only one. I want you to recognize and remember your worth, but I want to remind you of some things today. You see, there are a limited number of people in this world that might be able to go out and buy that Rembrandt or that Picasso or some other great painter because of the value of it in the world's eyes. And I want you to realize today the most valuable things in all the world, as God has invited us here in Isaiah 55, are not the things that can be bought with man's money. You can own the most unique painting in all the world. You can be a collector of the rarest items that there are on the face of this earth. But its value does not compare to the value of what God is offering you today. There are things that you, Unique you, the only you, have access to today that are far above all the things. And yes, as the scripture says on the screen, far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Don't expect it to make sense to the world. They're in blindness. They're in darkness. But today, you see, there is only one. I want to remind you today that there is only one you, but also there is only one God. There is only one. That's it. In Isaiah 45, verses 5 and 6, he said, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west 
that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I am the Lord God Jehovah, and there is none else. He said in verse 22 of that same chapter, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. Why? For I am God and there is none else. You see, today, no, the heavens are higher than the earth. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The world sometimes thinks that they have captured some knowledge that we don't have. You see, there are many of those in the world that thinks that because of their knowledge, their thinking, they think that there's this God of theistic evolution. <laughs> they don't think that there's one God that created all that there is and that sustains everything that's there. And so they try to diminish your thinking down to their thinking. They think, no way is there one God that did all of this. There's the God of the modernist. They like to take the Bible and they like to think that it's got some good things in there. And they like to take the parts of the Bible that suits them, the parts that they can handle, the parts that they like. They want to throw out the things that affect their lives. They want to throw out the miraculous. I got news for you. That's not my God. Some have the God of a legalist. <laughs> they are saved. They keep saved. They somehow have the relationship with God by keeping the law and doing good things and accomplishing all these things that they accomplish themselves, always trying to appease God, always trying to, to do something uh, to make up for their wrongs. That's not my father. <laughs> That's not my God. There are many gods of religion today where that by their religions they're trying to observe their, their rituals and do all of their things in order to be right with God. That's not the God I'm talking about. There is only one God. The Bible tells us of only one God, and He is the God that created everything that exists. He is the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ that came. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good prophet. He is the Son of God. He is the God that loved the world so much that He gave that Son for us. He's the God that loved you so much that He chose you, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. Before all of the wonder and glory of everything that we see in this world that's been created, God chose you even before that. Before He created any of that, you were chosen by Him. The one God, the only God that exists. You see, in our readings, Israel was told in the promised land that there was no other God. They believed that for a while, but then you know what? It was the gods of the nations around them that they began to follow. They began to compromise a bit here and compromise a bit there until the day came when God had to send them back into 
captivity. They had to once again cry out to God in their sorrow. But he was there to hear. Why? Because they'd forsaken him. He's telling us today. You see, we live in a world that tries to make many things God. I want to remind you today, please, there's only one you. And there's only one God. That's the God that's speaking to us here in Isaiah chapter 55. That's the God that is inviting you to come. That's the God that's offering you what this world cannot give you. He is the only God. And I've got news for you. Not only is he the only God, there's only one Savior. You see, there's some that say, okay, well, we're serving the same God as you. We're just getting to him in a different way. Well, the Bible says, first of all, in Acts 4.12, he says, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved we've sang about that name this morning we sang about it being higher than any other name out there well that's because god says it's higher and god says it's the only name there is only one savior he says also in John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, on the name of Jesus. That's the ones that became the sons of God. That's the ones that become his children. Many today would like to tell us that all men, will be saved eventually, that there is no need for our narrow-mindedness. They don't need a Savior. But I'm telling you, we all need a Savior, and there is only one. There's only one you. There's only one God. And he's invited you here to come and experience that which is, this world can't give you. And as a child of God, when the going is tough and everything, he says, just turn to me. Trust me. I've got something ahead for you, my children, that this world can't give you, and it's for all of eternity. But there's only one Savior that can get you there. You see, Muhammad cries, there's only one God, and that Muhammad is the prophet. But our reply is there's only one God, and Jesus Christ is the Son and our Savior. There's a difference, folks. Luke chapter or Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Before Jesus entered this world, he says, But ye shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. There is only one Savior. But that one Savior is available to you today. That's what God is talking about. It's more valuable than anything this world has. There is only one you, and there is only one God. But the one Savior that can save came 
to save you. He chose you, and he came to save you. You see, there's only one salvation, one salvation. Jesus said, we quote that verse so many times in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus said that. We didn't make that up in our narrow-mindedness or something. Jesus is not a way amongst many ways, even amongst two ways. He is the way. He is the only way. He is the only bridge that can cover that gap between man and God. Well, there are many today, as there have been through the centuries, that hang on to some kind of a universalism, saying that that's the way of salvation, that God can't condemn anyone, that all men will be saved. Folks, Psalm 9:17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Revelation 20, 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I wish I could come out behind this pulpit. There are only two destinations, and it is not God's desire, the only one and true God. He chose you, and he sent his son, the only savior of the world, to die for you on the cross that you could be saved. There is one way of salvation, and that's through him. There's two destinies. You see, it is impossible. I mean, our minds, you know, we can't. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. But if we can understand, I mean, even in our simple intelligence, light and darkness cannot exist in the same place at the same time. It's impossible. Life and death cannot exist in the same place at the same time. It's impossible. There's only two destinations, life and death. There's only two places for them to stay, heaven and hell. You've heard me say it before. Heaven is not our reward. It's just where all of us are going to spend eternity with him one day. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. That's our reward. There'll be other rewards. <laughs> but we find that the wages of sin is death. Death cannot exist in the same place as life. Death cannot exist simultaneously. Something is either dead or alive. The darkness can never overcome the light. No matter how dark it is, you put on the smallest light and it will overcome that darkness. There can't be a heaven with sin present because sin brings death and heaven is for that which is alive. Hell is the eternal place for that which is dead. There's only one way of salvation. There's only one work that is necessary for salvation. In John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him which he has sent. There are many that want to do things to be saved today. I want you to do things because you're saved, not to get saved. There is only one God. There is only one Savior. There is only one salvation. And there's only one way to experience that salvation. We don't need to be ashamed of that. A lot of people talk about being hungry for the Word of God and for the things of God. 
I'm really surprised because if people are so hungry for the things of God, why all the empty seats here this morning? <laughs> Where are they at? Where are they going to get it from the world? So many times, again, Christ is the only Savior. Salvation is only in him. I want to tell you something else. There's only one door. We said there's two destinations. <laughs> there's only one door to get to that one way. That's that one salvation. There's only one access to it. Revelation 3.8 says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. We could say a lot of things there. That's a sermon all in its own. We've, we've preached it before. We've looked at it before. Christian, there's only one door through which you can serve God. And that door is Jesus. There's only one door. He says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. That door is the only way to have access. Jesus Christ is the one. Jesus Christ is the only access that you have. You see, it's a door of faith, of repentance. That's the only way. Trusting Jesus Christ, trusting his finished work. He said in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. <laughs> you know, when you come by the door of Jesus, he will be there. He will never, ever, ever refuse you. He won't shut you out. There's only one you, one God, one Savior, one salvation. There's only one way. There's only one door. The Bible tells us there's only one mediator. There's only one. You see, on the one hand, some feel that God is so far off, so distant, so holy that they can never approach him. And, well, that's true. That is true. But God gives you a mediator, a way to approach him. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God. There is one God. And one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ is your mediator today. No. In yourself, you can't. You can't approach God. But through Jesus Christ, you can. The Bible says there's only one God there, but there's only one mediator. People want to go to God, and they want to approach him in all kinds of ways. Well, I'm just saying, folks, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. I'm not making that up. People that want to go and they want to try to pray through Mary or they want to try to pray through one of their Muhammad or earthly gods or whatever, the truth is is that they will give an account for that one day. The Bible tells me that there's only one way to have access with God. That's through the mediator, Christ Jesus. But I want to give you this in closing this morning. There's really only 
one alternative. <laughs> there's one alternative. You see, there's you this morning. Every one of you that is sitting here, everyone that may listen to this sermon later, there's only one you. God chose you. You're that special. You're that unique to him. You are of such value to him that he was willing to pay the highest price possible beyond the wealth of this world for you. Only one God. Only one Savior. Only one salvation. Only one way. Only one door. Only one mediator. That's what he wants for you. We find that we spoke many times about the narrow way and the broad way. <laughs> they all think they've got something good lying at the end. But the Bible tells us that it's that narrow way that few really find. That's the only way that leads to eternal life. The broad road leads to destruction. They think they're going in the right way, but it's not. You see, you can either come to Christ, you can accept that one thing that God is offering you through his gift by grace. There's only one thing that is left. You see, the only alternative to life is death. The only alternative to being under the light today is being in the darkness. The only alternative in this life is you can either live your life for him or you can waste your life for the world. There is no other option. There is no other alternative in life except to come. You either come to Christ and with that, because of him, you have eternity with him in heaven. You live life eternally. Or you keep the death that you have because of your sin. You spend an eternity separated from him without him. You know, so many times we can see things, things can happen, and we can have those thoughts, oh, why didn't I do that sooner? Or why didn't I do that while I had the opportunity? There's only one now. Right now, God has given you opportunity. Only one now. Now is the accepted time. Right now, the one you, the only you, there's nobody else that can make that choice for you. Right now, you have two choices Actually, it's one choice between two things. Right now, you will choose life or death. Life or death. You see, we've looked at the singleness that the world might think may not make sense to the world. But God is inviting you today. You. He chose you. And you're here today. And God has chosen you. He's invited you to come and take of that which this world cannot give you. He's telling you very, very, very clearly in that passage in verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. You're not promised tomorrow. 
You have a choice today. Only you can make that choice. What's your choice going to be? Will you choose life? Will you choose the one God, the one Savior, the one true way of salvation? Will you choose the one way, the one door? Will you choose today to call upon the one mediator that can get your prayer through to God and your sins be forgiven forever? That life that he wants for you. He paid the price for you, only you. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. There's so much that could be said, but I feel, Lord, that we've said that which you have wanted us to say. Lord, you give us a beautiful invitation here through your prophet in Isaiah chapter 55. Lord, we need to realize that, boy, there's an awful lot of explanations the world tries to give. But, Lord, it's only your invitation that matters. You're the only one. You're the only God. You've given us the one way of salvation. It's open to all who will believe and trust. And, Lord, there is no doubt there are those here today. But, Lord, they may have done or tried many different things, but today they need to choose the one way, the one way, the one mediator, the one salvation that they can have today that you're offering to them. I pray that you'd help them to do that today, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for the believers that are here. I know that sometimes it can feel that they're getting lost in all the shuffle, but, well, they are unique to you. You chose them. You have a place for them. You have something to do with their lives. I pray today that you'll help us to realize just how privileged, how valuable that we are to you, that you chose me. You chose each of us individually. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for loving us that much. And I thank you, Lord, that to you we're all unique. We're all that one creation, that one of a kind. And Lord, that you want to spend all of eternity with. So I pray, Lord, that you would do that which needs to be done in our hearts today. We give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.